there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into television programming, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is a senior executive at BET, where she leads the scripted development team of the original programming department at BET and its sister streamer, BET+. But before I introduce you to Rose Catherine Pinckney, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter, and it comes out bright and early on Monday mornings, with unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. And please make sure to check out my new live streaming show every week on LinkedIn, where I'll be sharing coronavirus-relevant career advice interviewing career coaches and industry insiders live, and of course, taking your questions and featuring your comments, all of it to help college students and young professionals turn your degrees into careers you'll love. Just click on the link in show notes to follow me on LinkedIn, and that way you'll get a little alert when the show is live and you'll be able to tune in. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Rose Catherine Pinckney, a creative senior level executive who has worked at TV networks, studios, and independent production companies. Over the last three decades, Rose Catherine has developed content in the scripted arena, and that includes comedy, drama, TV, movies, and miniseries, as well as the unscripted arena, which includes alternative, reality, reality competition, comedy, variety, talk, and game shows, wait, there's more, docu-series, documentaries, and specials. And she currently leads the scripted development team of the original programming department, as well as staff for BET and its sister streaming or sister streamer, BET+. In this role, Rose Catherine is charged with developing scripted content for the critically acclaimed 20s, First Wives Club, and American Soul. She also oversees all current productions, including hits like Being Mary Jane and its finale movie, Tales, a hip-hop anthology series, and the Kevin Hart comedy, Real Husbands of Hollywood. Before BET, Rose Catherine worked for a wide variety of companies, including TV One, TV Land, Cinema Gypsy Productions, and Paramount Network Television, where she was a senior vice president and head of comedy development, and she worked there for nine years, as well as 20th Century Fox TV, where she worked for almost five years. Rose Catherine, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am caffeinated and ready to go. Awesome. I need caffeine. I really needed caffeine just to get through like a portion 
of what you've done and all the different shows <laughs> you have worked on over the years. And honestly, for our young listeners, if they want to get more of an idea as to what Rose Catherine does now at BET and all of the various things she's done, or at least some of them, over the course of her career, please check out show notes to see if her main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Okay, let us dive into our 10 espresso shots, which we are framing around scripted television programming. So what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into scripted television programming? The easiest way to get into the entertainment business is to take a job as an assistant in the area in which you'd like to one day be an executive. I started as an assistant and most of the people that I know in the business started out as a lowly assistant. And that can mean getting coffee, typing letters, Yes, picking up dry cleaning, if that's what your boss needs you to do, even though I think these days bosses don't have people doing that much of the personal stuff. But you literally get to see what the world is like from the very ground floor. The great thing about it is once you have done this for some amount of time and you get promoted up and on, it's kind of a badge of honor that that is how you started. People know that you really wanted to get into the business. You were pretty much willing to just start wherever you had to to get in. And people feel like you've kind of gone through the boot camp of the business. (laughs) I just find it so incredible that college graduates and you went to Princeton would still have to work as an assistant. I actually also have my MBA and many of the people... (laughs) that I worked with when I started out. And many of the people that I've hired along the way have undergrad and graduate degrees. Part of it is that you really need to start somewhere to get a sense of the industry as a whole and the kind of job that you will be doing. These are jobs where mentorship is important, where you kind of learn by seeing. There's not a textbook or a guide or a manual that you can read to learn how to do it. So the best thing to do is to be able to watch someone who's doing it while you're getting paid. And the way to do that is to be an assistant to somebody who is doing what you want to be doing or doing something close to what you want to be doing. Okay, fair enough. Rose Catherine, what is a useful hard and soft skill that you look for in the young people that you hire at BET? Probably the main thing is to be flexible to know that every day will be different, that alongside, yes, there are some consistent things, some things that you will be expected to do over and over, that you have to be flexible because things change. You may be asked to do something you've never done. A situation may come up where you have to make decisions. So being flexible is probably the most important thing. It is not like a job in a factory or in other industries where every day the same thing is happening. A hard skill is really being able to express yourself, whether that is verbally, it's actually both verbally and in writing, because all of these jobs are about being able to give your opinion on material and ideas and figure out which one should move forward. And sometimes you've got to get buy-in from a group. Sometimes you've got to get buy-in from the creator and you have to be able to speak to them 
and communicate with them effectively. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even though the actual product is something that we are watching, (laughs) it comes from a written script. So if you want to advise your writers and, and your directors and your all the other people who are involved in getting whatever this product is from the paper to the screen, you better be able to communicate properly. Absolutely. And the people that I see that don't make it are those who cannot communicate well or who have a fear of communicating. These are jobs where your opinion is tested every day. And listen, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you champion a project that turns out to be a dud. Sometimes you say no to something that ends up on another network and turns out to be great. So you kind of have to live and die by your opinions after you've expressed them. Yeah, for sure. And I would also think that you probably need to be pretty diplomatic. Yes, diplomacy is huge. You are dealing with a lot of people who are very creative and who have come up with ideas from their heart and their head. And these ideas are very personal to them. Every script they write is personal to them. So if you have a comment, we call them notes, where you may have a concern or a question or even a criticism, you have to be very careful about how you speak to this person who has literally birthed this idea. You know, you always make a joke about you don't want to tell somebody that their baby is ugly. But what if you have to tell somebody that, I don't know, their baby's shirt is a little ugly? Not the whole baby, but maybe they just need to change that shirt and everything will be fine. And so you really have to learn to speak to people who who it really is. You know, often we talk about professional jobs and we'll say it's business. It's not personal. But for creative people, it really is personal. And you have to learn to walk a certain line where you're able to express how you feel, but also still care for the creative writer or director or actor that you're speaking to. No doubt about it. Ruth Catherine, is someone's major a deciding factor to get into this industry? In other words, if they haven't studied filmmaking or theater or fill in the blank, is it a deal breaker? It is absolutely not a deal breaker. However, one would hope that you have decided to educate yourself. And that means if you didn't go to film school, you better have watched a zillion films. You better have read books about film. You better watch television and know TV shows. There's so much information that you can get on the internet these days that you can find online that you can almost self-educate yourself, at least in some of the basics of what it is that we're doing, what it is that we're trying to achieve on a daily basis in any of these jobs. So although your degree does not have to be in it, when you come in to interview, there will be questions that get asked that show whether you have spent any time at all doing some sort of research. And if you really love the business, some of these things should come very naturally to you because you'll be doing them because you enjoy them, whether that's seeing a play or seeing a movie or watching a TV show or being in a play or going to help a friend put up their play or reading a book that a friend has written. 
So a lot of it is just you putting yourself in the space where you are familiar with all the different kinds of content one can make view see. And the other thing that I would say is that we find that people who have studied other things other than entertainment, whether it's communications or broadcast journalism or whatever it is, they come in with a scope of learning that they can bring to the job. Because again, a lot of this is about opinion and about how somebody feels about something they're seeing, viewing, or reading, or hearing, if it's a music business. And so somebody who hasn't focused on that for the last four years is bringing a scope of the outside world that somebody who's only concentrated on the entertainment business for four years or six years, if you go to grad school, doesn't have. So I think that there are benefits to both ways, but it's certainly, listen, my background is in sociology economics and communications. And this was not communications as in broadcast communications. This was communications as in how does one human connect and relate to another? And then I have an MBA in marketing. So my degree has nothing to do with what I actually do on a daily basis. The experience that I got from college was how to step back and look at things, how to analyze things, how to take things in and be open. That's probably the most important thing that I took away from college that I use in my daily job now. Yeah, fantastic. I would also imagine as a sociology major and also studying communications and economics, you learned about critical thinking and pattern recognition. Yes, I did. Though I must admit that in my job for kind of pattern recognition, there's a whole team of people who do research for us who figure out the data and look into what people are watching and the trends and are the younger people watching or the older people watching? Are women watching? Is it sports lovers? So there's a whole team of people that really looks into the data and analytics of sort of more the business side of what it is that we do. Yeah, but that's fascinating too. I would have loved to have had an assignment as a young person looking for a job saying, now, Andrew, you need to go out and watch a whole lot of TV. (laughs) No, what every show is. I mean, that's fun. By the way, it is fun. I cannot believe that I get paid to do what I do. But even any job has a bad day. And I have to admit that some of my worst days may be better than some other people's best days. But that's about loving what you do, no matter what industry you're in. It is still a job. Yes. And again, I love my job, but the days I want to stay home and stay under the covers and (laughs) just watch TV all day, I can't because it's a job and people are expecting me there and there are things to be done. Definitely. Um, And we will get into the ups and the downs in just a few minutes. So hold on, (laughs) put a... What is it? Put your finger on that place. Watch this space. You mentioned that you have an MBA. You got your MBA at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. You have a focus in entertainment management and marketing. Do you think it is important for our young listeners to consider getting a graduate school degree in order to succeed in this industry? And if so, Rose Catherine, 
What do you think are the most useful grad school degrees to get? Wow. Okay. That's a lot. (laughs) And I definitely have opinions on this. UCLA is a wonderful school. The Anderson School is amazing. They're probably going to kill me for saying this. I needed to get from the East Coast to LA where TV is made. And so I, my mom and dad wouldn't let me just move to LA. And so I decided I needed to go to grad school in LA. I learned some amazing things at UCLA. But one of the main things that I got to do was to meet a bunch of other like-minded students who wanted to be involved in the entertainment business in all sorts of places. So for me, grad school was a lot about networking and putting myself in a location where the kinds of jobs that I wanted took place. And actually, UCLA has an entertainment management program. It's one of the few schools that does. I It's so funny. So long ago, I can't even remember what I learned, but I was able to take classes from the producers program and other entertainment related programs. And I think so I learned a little bit about the entertainment industry. But again, most of the learning you do does not help you do your job. These are jobs where you kind of learn by doing. So do you need a graduate degree? Probably not. Many people I know do not have them. It might be useful if you've got your undergrad is in something completely different and you need to sort of make a turn toward entertainment. It may help you. But listen, some of the biggest names in entertainment don't have a college degree at all. Now, I would not suggest that you don't get a college degree because it's good to have and it's knowledge and it gives you a chance to grow and sort of learn and learn other people and see all of your options. But It really is often something that you don't need. But I will also admit that this is a place, Hollywood, I love it, but it can be a little shallow. And sometimes people are impressed by where you went to school. So every once in a while, I might have used it to sort of help myself along the way. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Well, we got to use, you know, we got to use whatever we have in our own toolboxes. So if it's an impressive undergrad or grad school degree, if that's what helps you, go for it. But it's good to know that a grad school degree is not essential and that you learn much more on the job. I'm sure that a lot of young people will be relieved to hear that. Absolutely. What about life experiences, Rose Catherine? These are the experiences we have outside the classroom. It could just be growing up in a big family traveling, learning foreign languages, whatever the case may be, watching TV. What kind of life experiences are most useful for someone to have and try to cultivate who wants to get into this industry? So I would check every box that you just said, but mostly it's living your life. I know that sounds simplistic, but you have to experience life, what happens to people. Because entertainment business is telling stories about what happens to people. It's as simple as that. Every story is. So you'll have some stories to draw from so that when somebody comes in and tells you a story, even though you haven't experienced that thing, you may find some way in some small thing that reminds you of something that happened to you. And it's a way for you to feel a connection to the material or or to the story. So we always talk about like 
there is such a cliche that writers sit home in a dark room and they're just on their computers typing. And that's not true. Well, I'm not saying that that's not true, but a writer has to get out and see the world or else they're not going to know what to write about. Yes, I'm sure they could sit home and read a book and watch TV. But then again, they're like creating off of something that's already created. So literally living is the best experience you can have. Getting out, meeting people, reading books, reading about the industry, watching the news so you know what's going on. Again, seeing all the other visual arts that there are plays, movies, going to art galleries. It literally is experiencing the world so that you can talk about it. And be authentic, right? And that sounds like, I mean, that's really where it's coming from. It is. It absolutely is. Though, as an African-American executive, we often talk about the fact that as Black people, we are not a homogeneous group of people. So when we talk about authenticity, there are so many authentic experiences that it's really hard to say that one is not. So it really is the rendering of that experience. And again, the more life you live, the more likely you are to be able to recognize when something, even even if you don't know it, even if it's not your experience, but you will be able to recognize that it's truly authentic. Excellent. Thank you so much. So here we go. What is the best part for you, Rose Catherine, of being in this industry as a senior executive and head of scripted development at BET? Wow. Well, I grew up, uh, my mom was a librarian, so I read a lot. And we had one old TV for a long time. I don't know how old I was before we got a color TV, but we had one TV And my brothers used to, I have three older brothers. They always got to decide what to watch because if we voted, I got voted out. But I, right past reading, I loved watching TV. And I figured that one day I want to do that. I want to make TV. I didn't even know what that meant. I totally thought that I could only be a news anchor because that was kind or an actress because that's kind of what I saw in TV. When I saw women or women of color, they were they were either actresses or news anchors. And I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. And then I went off to Princeton and I ended up getting an internship at New Jersey Network. And that's when I discovered that there are a whole bunch of people behind the scenes who actually make the television. I love when there's a show that I have worked on that airs somewhere, whether it's on a streamer or on TV. And I get a call or email from somebody who's seen it, or I read a review and people have enjoyed the material. That is the best thing of all, having worked on something and having people like it. A lot of the job is working on stuff really, really hard with hundreds of people and then having people not like it. Because guess what? Most things don't end up working the way we'd want them to work. So the thrill for me is getting a show, finding a show, getting it made, having it air and having people enjoy it and want to see more of it. It's that simple. You're making people happy. You're making people happy. Absolutely. Mm. And often for free in their own homes. (laughs) Yeah, that is a wonderful, wonderful feeling to have to know that you're making people smile and laugh and forget about 
all the problems that they're probably grappling with, as so many of us are. Let me say that during the pandemic, I got more calls from people, calls and texts and emails from people who I've known forever who happened to watch a show that I have worked on. And there are some shows that end up having my some executives get their names on shows at different places. So my name might have rolled across the screen as an executive. And sometimes it was calls from people who saw my name or calls from people who just knew that I worked on a show in the past saying how much they enjoyed something. And it's really nice, even when a show is like 10 years old and someone sees it for the first time and calls to say, I should have listened to you. I should have watched the show when it was on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know what? I'll take it now. I'll take it for me and all the other gazillion people that actually work to get the show made. We'll we don't care when we entertain you. It's much better when we entertain you early and we get to make more episodes because the ratings are good. But it's always nice to have somebody say that they appreciate what you do. The other thing that really makes me happy is when somebody sees something and it's really not beyond just the enjoyment. It's something they really relate to. And they say it was nice to see somebody like me on screen. Mm. And that's when I know that I have really hit the double duty of entertaining and making sure that people know that their lives and their images matter in the world. Yes, that you are reflecting the real world. Yep. Love it. Now, you've already alluded to the flip side, the days that you'd like to stay in bed but can't. So what is the part of your current job, Rose Catherine, as a senior executive and head of scripted development for scripted programming at BET that sucks the most? Oh, my God. So ah, there's two things, and they're basically the same thing. You know, most of the time in these jobs, we talk about all the good stuff we got to do, the shows that we made. But there's a whole other side to that, because mostly I have to say no. Most of the calls I make and most of the decisions we make toward projects are no's. It is, you know, having somebody come in and pitch you an idea and then you decide that you don't like it or maybe it's too expensive or it's not exactly right for you or For whatever reason, you have to call back people and say no. And as I mentioned early on, these are their creations. These are their babies. So you are basically saying no to someone's baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is really hard. And you do it all day long. Mm. And whether that is you're saying no, you know, there's auditions for a show. So you're seeing five actresses. Only one of them is getting the job. Now, that's not my job to actually have to go and tell them no, but that is someone's job. Maybe our casting director tells their agent, tells the actress. But my point is that a lot, like 90% of this business is saying no to something. I'd like to be a writer on your staff. You know what? We don't think you're right, or we don't think you're good enough, or you don't have enough experience, or you're not funny enough, or you're not dramatic enough, whatever it is there's somebody being told no. So a lot of my job is hearing ideas that we say no to, but all for good reason, because we're searching for the perfect idea for our network, for BET. And wherever you are, you're always searching for the perfect idea for 
someplace. So there are going to be lots of no's. It doesn't mean that that person won't sell that project elsewhere. It just means that for that moment, you're telling them no. So even worse than the simple no's are the bigger no's. And that, for instance, is when you've had a show on the air and it's not doing well in the ratings and then you decide, we like to say not to renew it, which is basically saying you are canceling a show, which is a really big no. So now you've got writers, directors, actors, you know, people who have been working on a show for a season, whether that's 10 episodes or 22 episodes or Maybe they go a couple of seasons and they get in a routine. But if the ratings aren't there, if the enthusiasm for the show is not there at the company, sometimes you have to call people and tell them, no, we're not moving forward anymore. So you are taking people's livelihoods, their routines, their creative satisfaction. You're taking all kinds of things away from them. So that is the worst no that you have to make is when you cancel a show. So you try to say, at least you had it for some time. At least you got to enjoy it for a while before it went away. But yes, that's the worst part of my job is Mm. having to say no to people all the time about different things. And that is, we knew the other day that we were not renewing a show and we had a whole plan in place. And I had kind of dodged the bullet and was not going to have to be the person making any calls to anyone, which meant that I could do the very chicken hearted thing later and send an email or send a text or wait a couple of days to call and say how sorry I was. And then in the afternoon, I got a call from my boss saying, oh, no, actually, I need you on a couple of these calls. I literally was trying to figure out if I could pretend to be sick. Oh, <laughs> no. Because I I can see it does make you feel sick to do that. It does. And it's hard and you feel bad. By the way, and let me also say, there's shows that I've worked on that I hated working on that I could not wait until they went away. And even on those calls, you still feel bad that you are saying no to somebody's creative endeavor. And that came from their heart. I always say to people, if you watch something, a a TV show or a movie, and you don't like it, just remember that all the people involved did not start out to make something that wouldn't make you happy. They went in thinking that they wanted to make a really good project that would entertain you and bring you enjoyment. So the next time you're trashing something, really think about all the people that it took to get that show up and running. And that it surely started out with the desire for people to make something good that you would want to watch again and again and more of. And then things just go wrong. Oh, I'm thinking about one movie in particular. The only movie (laughs) that I've ever wanted to walk out in the middle of that I could not. It was all I could do to keep from shouting in the middle of the movie theater (laughs) because it was so bad. But You're kind of giving me a little perspective. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Okay. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten? Wow. Boy, it's probably a couple of things. One, don't cry in front of men at the office. (laughs) Mm, Been there. And there's plenty of times when I felt like I wanted to. And I sucked it up 
and made it out of the office <laughs> down to the women's bathroom. It's so sad that I say that. It seems like such archaic advice. Mm, yeah. But I still believe that it's good advice. We still sometimes talk about it with our colleagues. We're not telling you not to feel and not to know when you're being mistreated or not to understand that something is sad or bad or wrong. We're just saying that it's a little harder for women sometimes in the workplace. And basically, it's the never let let them see you sweat version of, you know, keep it, keep it together. Yeah. And I, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the times that I have cried, I've regretted it. <laughs> when I was, <laughs> you know, I've like, oh, man, why couldn't I have held it together? So I think that's great advice. It is. And it's so, again, it's archaic. I'm sure they told the first woman who ever worked in a workplace that after she did it. And here it is years later, and we're still saying it, but I do think it's good advice. And the other is to pick your battles that they always say, don't win a battle and lose a war, especially in this business where a lot of what we're doing is simply opinion. And whoever you're talking to may absolutely believe they're right. And they may know they're right in the same way you know that you are right. And what you have to figure out is what are the creative battles and the business battles that you should take on? And what is the most important goal and how best to get there? So does that mean give in on this thing because you ultimately want that thing and that's worth it to you? Then that's what you do. So it, pick your battles. Excellent. Two final espresso shots. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, or BET Plus streaming shows or books, Rose Catherine, do you think accurately depict this profession? So I will tell you guys about a couple of books that I have been referring people to forever, and they're older, but I just think they hit the mark. And I would tell you, Anybody thinking about getting into this business, pick up and read any book you can from somebody who works in the business because they're going to tell you what they saw and what they experienced. And it may not be the same experience that you have, but at least gets closer. So I haven't read all the, you know, the bios from our the CEOs and chiefs, but I think any of them are worth reading at any time. But here are three of my favorites. One is a book called Hello, He Lied by a great producer named Linda Oates, who's my hero. She was one of the first women I ever read about in the entertainment business who was making movies. And this book, I think, was written in the 80s. It is what it was like to be a development girl, a D girl back then. And development girl, she actually worked on features. So it was what it was like to develop movies and what her daily life was like. It is a great book. And the premise is, that in this business, the name of the book is Hello, He Lied. In this business, the minute someone starts talking to you, they're already lying. So <laughs> hello, he lied. <laughs> oh my God. And right. you still want him to go into the business. <laughs> you know what? I read it after I got into the business. Oh, okay. <laughs> it might've scared me away. Another book along the way was a book written by a writer who had an agent, as many writers do, that agents represent them. And it was called Conversations with My Agent. And it's a great book about a writer and his very 
good agent and just different conversations they have along the way. It's hilariously funny and it just gives you insight into agents and again, a view of the business. Again, also a book that's pretty old. And then one of my favorites is a book called Hello, Lied the Agent. And it's kind of a takeoff on Hello, He Lied and Conversations with My Agent. And basically, it's a book written by a writer, Ian Gervitz, who is a writer who worked on a bunch of TV shows. He had an overall deal with my company. I was working for Paramount then. He had an overall deal with Paramount at the time that he wrote the book. And he basically wrote a book about two years of his life as a writer. One of the things I love about the book is that it showcases so many different jobs that people have in the business, again, from the writer's point of view, but everyone he came across as he tried to sell projects with the Paramount Studio to different networks. It's a really great book. Everyone thinks I like it because I'm in it. Oh, that's cool. But I'm only in half of it. Yeah, but I get fired halfway through. So I'm only in half of it. Um, (laughs) if (laughs) If I had any shame, I would stop telling people to read a book where I get fired halfway through. That's so a really badge of honor in Hollywood. Well, yes. Listen, it's it slowed me down more because of me than because of it happening. But it's a really great book that shows you all kinds of things of how TV works. And yes, that book is probably 15, 20 years old. But again, it just gives you some of the basics of how things work. And yes, things have changed with cable and streamers and you know, being able to watch a television show on your phone, but the basic tenets of finding a good project and selling it to somebody who wants to show it to an audience remains the same. Fantastic. We'll include links to all three books in our show notes. Okay, great. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? Oh my God. How many hours? of your day it takes and how it is all consuming. And let me break that down to how much homework you have. I read scripts every night, so I may work all day long in an office, and then when I come home, I have scripts to read, often that need to be read by the next day. Not just read, but read, and I need to have an opinion on them. Sometimes that opinion has to be ready to be given to a creator. So. Also, sometimes you work all day and then you go somewhere to watch a production that you're working on that's shooting. So you get home even later and then you still have that reading to do. So I would just say to people, it is an all-consuming job. Even if you're not expected to go to a production, you might get a call because there's a problem at a production. So it really is a job that is all-consuming, which is why you really need to love it if you're going to try to be in it. If you just want a nine to five, this is not, this side of it, this creative side of it is not the place for you. And because so much of what we do is time sensitive, there are things that cannot be ignored. So somebody's having a problem right now. There's an issue with a script. They're shooting. Somebody's got to make a decision. That could be you. It doesn't matter if it's Saturday afternoon and you're with your kids or your boyfriend or your friends. You may have to stop and do some work. So if you love what you do, it's easy. It may be really annoying to people around you. (laughs) But if you don't love what you do, it will drive you crazy. So 
I say all that to say that it's, it is very long hours, very time consuming. Go in with your eyes wide open. I am shocked to hear that because what you've just described is what I experienced as a journalist. It's a very similar kind of work environment. You're going 24-7. It absolutely is. And when something happens, it's your job to know about it. And you can't tell things to stop happening at six o'clock. Yes. And often in television, because, you know, you want to see a new show every week. Well, I guess this audience wants to see a bunch of shows all at one time as they binge. But people are expecting shows to be delivered on a weekly basis. And so you want to get a consistency and a rhythm where scripts, shooting, casting, all of it is working together so that you can pump out a new show each week. So these jobs, as much fun as they are, they really are not for the weak at heart. Oh, it doesn't sound like it. But I think it's great that you are opening all of our eyes to this. And that if somebody really, really loves entertainment, they're not going to be surprised when they start one of these jobs and find out that they're not going to have a personal life (laughs) or their personal life is coming after the job. Absolutely. And by the way, it's also the kind of business where business and pleasure are very much mixed because you spend so much time with your coworkers or with the people on your productions. You tend to, your work friends become your friends, which makes it all more enjoyable. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, the other way of looking at that is that your other friends give up on you because you're never (laughs) around. I'm just teasing. (laughs) I'm just thinking about my life. (laughs) You know that once I had a colleague who wanted to spend some time with her husband and she really needed to for her marriage. This is, I'm a terrible person. And I said to her, okay, go take your days off. But Just check your text. Go in the bathroom with your phone and check your text. And if I need you urgently, I will text you. And then please call me. But otherwise, just (laughs) ignore us for two days. (laughs) Oh, my God. But it was so funny because I literally was like, I want her to save her marriage. But if I need her in the next two days, I really need her. (laughs) But it worked out well. And I only needed her once. Okay. grocery store. So it was all fine. Okay. Well, (laughs) phew, phew. All right. And if you want to learn more about what Rose Catherine does in her all-consuming job at BET, please check out show notes to see if her main time for coffee interview has already dropped. Rose Catherine, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community for your honesty, your directness, and these incredible insights. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.